This is MuggleCast, the Harry Potter podcast discussing everything about J.K. Rowling's Wizarding World. Welcome to MuggleCast episode 343. I'm Andrew. I'm Micah. I'm Eric. And we are joined by a guest this week. Kate, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. It's nice to have you on. You are a Slug Club member over on Patreon. How long have you been listening to MuggleCast? Uh, since probably 2006. Oh, love it. It's love a it. long time. <laughs> Let's get your fandom ID. What's your favorite Harry Potter book? Um, probably Prisoner of Azkaban, but I'm also a really big fan of Half-Blood Prince. I really like the Voldemort backstory in that one. Yeah, yeah. What's your favorite movie? Uh, Philosopher's Stone. Which I don't know if it actually is released as Philosopher's Stone, but I'm Canadian, so I call it Philosopher's Not Sources. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, maybe in Canada it was, because I know the book was. Yes, it was. Uh, what's your Hogwarts house? I'm a Hufflepuff. How about your Elvermorny? Uh, Pugwudgie. That's a perfect pairing. Yes, and I actually really liked uh, the Pugwudgie. It says they are healers, uh, and I'm a vet student, so I thought that was kind oh. of fitting. Nice. What is your Patronus? Uh, M.A. Wolf. Oh, okay. Simple mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. And finally, favorite character? Uh, I really love Newt Scamander. Uh, again, like I'm him? a vet student, so I'm a big animal lover, so... Mm. He's my favorite. Yeah. Well, that's a unique thing to look forward to in the upcoming Yes, I was then. very excited when they announced the Fantastic Beasts movies uh, okay. at the beginning. So was Newt your favorite character before the movie series? Um, I always liked him. I was, I'm was. i also a really big fan of Hermione. Uh, but once they announced the movies and that we learned more about him, I've become a really, really big Newt fan. Mm. I dressed as him for Halloween this year, so... Oh, yes. awesome. Oh, really? I heard that Canadian come out when you said a boat. A boat. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's nice to have you here. So thanks for joining us. On today's show, we are going to talk about Halloween and the Wizarding World. It is it is the season. We have Halloween this Tuesday, although most people were celebrating over the weekend. I know Eric and I went out. What were you, Eric, for Halloween? I was Beetlejuice. You looked freaky. I mean that in a good <laughs> oh, way. Thank you. I, I won scariest costume uh, at the uh, Potterotica Halloween house party. Um, <laughs> Eric is like a major fan of Potterotica now. I, I mean, I'm a big fan of these guys. He ran into uh, them by accident. Like now he's partying with them. I think he just gets royalties Danny. every time he says their name on the uh, podcast. Well, you know, I, I actually, it's funny you mention this. I just guest, ho- guest hosted their Halloween special episode. Oh, wow. Um, which is, is not for the faint of heart. It is R-rated or worse. Okay. Um, and I won't say any more about it, except you know where to find it. See, it's, now um, he's plugging them again. <laughs> Halloween in the title. No, no, these guys are great. Danny, who's on the show, uh, and Marco just did. It was the most well-themed house party I've ever seen. They had severed heads of, um, like, uh, mannequins or dolls or something hanging from the ceiling. It was, it was real cool, but it's the way to do Halloween. I'll, I'll be celebrating Halloween Always, nice. I I, I love how Eric always has like a really interesting story to tell. I feel like he yeah. does a ton of stuff out in Chicago. He's always on the move. He does, he does. It's like he's always doing something, and I'm just sitting here like oh, I just want to play Nintendo. 
And he invites well, I me will invite you along, but yes, only once you've beaten Odyssey. Yes, thank you. Um, uh, so that's potterotica.com slash mugglecast. No, get your discount. It's a 20%. Uh, I think the website is down, but they're Potterotica Show on Twitter. Okay. Um, so I I decided to do a Harry Potter themed costume. I I like to do something original when I dress up for Halloween, and so like I went in a couple stores looking for inspiration, and just nothing was really happening. And then it's sort of the, this idea that I ended up going with kind of came to me uh, randomly. I was like, well, I have a Slytherin sweater. What can I do with that? That's original. And then I was like, what if I'm like every Hogwarts house? What can I do something with every Hogwarts house? And then I was like, oh, I know. I'll be an undecided hat stall student. So in other words, like you get the hat stall at Hogwarts. And obviously everybody who listens to this show knows what a hat stall is. It's when the sorting hat can't uh, decide where to put you. So you decide. Um but I was, but I was a student who was undecided, so I just decided to be in all four houses. <laughs> so I had the Slytherin sweater, I had a Gryffindor sock, I had a Hufflepuff sock, and I had a Ravenclaw <laughs> beanie. And uh, I bought Harry Potter glasses too, just for an extra touch. And I also carried with me my two, my my Gryffindor and Slytherin house edition books. <laughs> oh, love it! That's awesome. Yeah, so it was fun. Like, I had to explain it to people, but once they got it, they were like, oh, okay, cool. You cool. sound like a Hogwarts midlife crisis. <laughs> yeah, what was that Quarter life, Micah, quarter life. Give them the benefit of the doubt. And I, I got all my stuff at Box Lunch. It's like the Hot Topic store. I think I brought it up on the merchandise episode. And when I went in there, they were they saw me looking at a particular house and they were like oh are you hufflepuff because i got plenty more hufflepuff i was like no 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 do you read harry potter i asked them that and then they were like uh yeah major fan i was like okay perfect so i'm trying to be a, a hat stall student and then like they were totally game to help me out so that was that was cool but uh i think yeah. that's funny. So that was my halloween of i'll put a hufflepuff picture stuff. of my nobody buys that outfit in the were you just insulting hufflepuff students no never Hufflepuff's the best. Unconscionable. Hufflepuff well, is the best. Is the best. It, and by the way, uh, we asked a Twitter question, which we'll get to later on, uh, about which house would you want to be in based on the house ghost. And Hufflepuff was by far the overwhelming majority because of the fat fryer. Yeah. Well, we've got pretty much Casper the Friendly Ghost as our ghost. So, it's pretty cool. I would never insult. Ever. Well, well good. So, But speaking of costumes... Uh, we actually asked uh, patrons to submit if they were dressing up uh, as a Harry Potter thing for Halloween to send in their photos. And uh, we actually got some really, really cool um, entries. We got a couple of Newt Scamanders, including Sarah. Um, we had a McGonagall and Luna. Uh, Rebecca sent that in. And actually, there was an entire um, party, a house party, that apparently was planned in two days this reminds me of uh, what Andrew was saying about, you know, basically taking what you have uh, and making it work. But mm. this house party, um, I'm trying to find the, yep, it was indeed Sarah Horning's uh, Halloween house party. They had just every, like, room had a theme uh, for it for Halloween. So cool. really looks like uh, people got up to some, some great fun yeah. um, over this weekend and hope it uh, hope the fun continues through um 
through Tuesday. And also, Laura cooked some Sorting Hat cupcakes, which look Please very tasty. Please send them to the P.O. box. Um, yeah, I always like costumes that are relevant. And I'm just thinking right now that next year, it'll be like Halloween next year will be about three weeks before Fantastic Beast Two comes out, so maybe even see even more oh. Fantastic Beast costumes yeah, around maybe. that time. Oh, but super huge, amazing shout out though has to go to Natalie H, who dressed up as Harry Otter. Y'all know <laughs> Harry Otter? Uh, that rings Not a bell. Personally. Was that a YouTube video? So it's one of the, yeah, you know one of those. I think it is on YouTube. I googled it. Um, but do you know like those parody books that they had come out that were like? Oh yeah concurrent with the i'm pretty sure harry otter is one of them according to urban dictionary harry otter is the hero of the harry potter novels adapted for otters Mm. featured in such thrilling adventures as harry otter and the fish head of fire and harry otter and the prisoner of otskaban (laughs) (laughs) sounds like a hit and he's He's totally beloved by 20 otters. Anyway, uh, Natalie had – she was Harry Otter, and it's it looks like a like an actual mascot head, like you'd wear at a, a football game, like for the mascot. Yeah. And it's an otter, and I don't know how she made it, but it looks amazing. Yeah, I saw it um, on the – I think it was the Millennial Facebook group, and it looked awesome because oh, okay. I yeah. have a bad Patreon, and I – just fill out the form to join the Facebook group. So, <laughs> oh, good. Well, I'll be sure to add you. It's okay. But yeah, it uh, it has a, a little scar and everything. So it's just exciting to see, uh, as always, still to this day, um, people really dressing up as Harry Potter yeah. stuff characters. That's so true. It makes me feel not so alone. And it reminds me not so alone. And I, I think of that every time I go to the Wizarding World theme parks because pe- people tend to dress up at those and i'm like oh they still love it so much and even at the party i was at last night like these people who are around my age they are still so passionate about harry potter and they're talking about how they're doing these rereads and they're rereading the books right now using the illustrated editions i'm like that's Solid. awesome harry potter really sticks mm-hmm. with people and i freaking Did love you say it they want to audit hogwarts yeah <laughs> yeah well you know they're adults they're thinking like adults <laughs> now yeah they still love it. They just want to think critically. What are the property taxes of that castle? <laughs> right. yeah. I think it's an interesting discussion. Why are kids allowed to just waltz into the Forbidden Forest? Put a fence Come around on, that. Dumbledore. Because D- Dumbledore is a sick, twisted wow. fool. Yeah. Is, yeah. That, uh, is that your quote that's going to appear in Urban's book that's going to come out next month or next year? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how many costumes I can count on Tuesday in New York City. There was there were plenty over uh, the weekend, and it was it's always interesting to be sitting at a bar, and then there are people that are dressed up in costumes <laughs> sitting next to you, and you feel like the odd person out. But that's, yeah, uh, that's pretty much what happened yesterday. Uh, you know, Micah. Funnily enough, you you think you went to a bar with Kevin yesterday? That was actually me dressed <laughs> up as Kevin. <laughs> yep. I. You know what? I I Love was. It. I was going to say something, but I uh, I thought better of it. I had a sneaking suspicion okay. that it was actually you. Let's move on to some news. Big announcement for the Cursed Child this week. They are going to Australia in 2019. Um, so that means the U.S. in 2018, Australia in 2019. Not necessarily a big surprise, but it's nice to see these official announcements coming out. It makes me well, wonder... I, I- Will they just be opening a new show somewhere, like, 
on a yearly basis. I, I, I'm sure Australia was a priority because it is a huge country with a huge Harry Potter fan base. But it's kind of cool to think that by 2019, there will be three of these productions running simultaneously. That is sort of cool. Yeah, I, I think I think that is the goal to open up in as many certainly continents as they can. Uh, because remember J.K. Rowling from day one has always said, you will be able to watch this play, you know? Right. And and everybody behind it says, yes, you will be able to. And we thought that meant they were going to make it easy on themselves and everybody else and cheap and just film a performance. <laughs> but no, what it means is there will actually be, at one point, a Cursed Child official production in your hometown. Um. In the... But it's nice they choose Australia uh, because, you know, Melbourne and and uh, all the people who, who live in it who have listened to us throughout the years are always talking about how nothing comes to Australia for Harry Potter. <laughs> and I was really, really thrilled to see that that would, you know, that's the third location for Cursed Child. Yeah, it's really exciting for Australia. I actually saw the Cursed Child this past summer. Oh, what do you think? Uh, like, well, I just thought the story was okay when I read it, mm-hmm. but the the play was amazing. Good. Glad you think so. I think that production was just, it was insane. Yeah. The magic looks so real. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Will the cast travel down? I, I guess they can't, right? No. It'll have to be a completely different yeah. cast. Yeah, I don't think they'll have... So the big deal with the US one is that the original cast came over for the UK, but I doubt they're going to do that again. That just seems, that seems like that'd be surprised. a lot. Maybe the people, maybe the cast really likes playing, <laughs> performing it. Yeah, maybe one or two will go down there. Yeah. What I found interesting was in the announcement video, J.K. Rowling said that she's never been to Australia before. That's weird. That's crazy. Australia is great. Eric's been to Australia, yeah. and he's not one of the richest people in the world. No, I mean, I'm sure it's not a matter of money. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Jake Rowling's like, ah, it's too expensive. <laughs> they had premieres down there for the movies. I feel like they have. Yeah, yeah. It's just she hasn't gone to them. Huh. But it would make sense for her to go down there for the Australian premiere, and that'll be a good reason for her to get down there. Yeah. So 2019. Hmm. Oh, I think Eric's thinking the wheels are turning. <laughs> just let us know before you buy tickets. <laughs> okay fair um let's make predictions what what city or country will go to next continent even um where's an island an island no australia island i i was gonna do something really obscure but i guess not i think maybe like japan yeah somewhere in asia yeah asia yeah or rio I'm also just thinking about like Hamilton, big success, obviously. They are in LA right now. I feel like LA could come sooner rather than later. It might not be next, but I think they could put that in the West Coast, on the West Coast, and it would be just as successful as it will be on Broadway. I was going to say Toronto or oh, somewhere. Yeah, it in might Canada. eventually. It's a big place. Come I to know. Canada. Yeah. It would probably be Toronto if it was going to be Prince anywhere. Edward Island, I think, Kate. That should be where they go. Yes, yes, 100%. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, some other news is kind of news. So on Friday, J.K. Rowling um, was tweeting up a storm 
And she said that Fantastic Beast 2 is not going to be called Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them 2. Okay? Now, she said the real title is coming soon. We did ask our our uh, patrons, what do you think the title is going to be? And uh, one of you guys want to read some of those ideas? We, we do know, I think, that uh, there was an interview last year and uh, Eddie Redmayne said the future movies are going to take on the Fantastic Beasts and the format, sort of like Harry Potter and the... Oh, he said that? Yeah, because he had asked David okay. Yates and David Heyman, I think. So, so um, which makes sense, because if you think about Harry Potter, like, even, even the play, even the rides, everything's called Harry Potter and the... So... Yeah. And huh. you think about other WB films, The Hobbit and The Desolation of Smaug, Battle of the Five Armies. Well, that I thought had a, uh, like a colon, like Hobbit series or Hobbit saga. It's the same kind of idea, so. though. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I actually, you know, to be honest, I cannot find this thread. <laughs> uh, Maybe you dreamt it. In... No, you know how Facebook does not sort things in a group by, like, chronology? There's a search on the left. Use that. Oh, on the left? Uh, here's my prediction. Fantastic Beasts and the Battle Ashley Barnes for the Deathly Hallows. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there's a lot of people joking like, oh, it'll be called Fantastic Beasts in the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> um, you know. What if? Things like that. <laughs> All right. Here's a post by Ashley. She got this started. Let's come up with names for Fantastic Beasts 2. 50 points to the house of the most liked name. Hashtag your house. Jeez. So we're playing games in our uh, patron. We had Sarah write in Fantastic Beasts, colon, Fast and Furious. <laughs> Hashtag Gryffindor. Beauty and the Fantastic Beasts from Jamie. <laughs> um, fa- uh, Ashley said what is on everybody's mind, given the latest plot revelations. Fantastic Beasts, and oops, we forgot to put beasts in this one. <laughs> um, That's going to uh, become too real. Yeah, yeah. Saracinto, Super Fantastic Beasts. Um, Megan Poehler, Fantastic Beasts 2, an incomparable sequel. Uh, and Nita wrote in and said, Fantastic Grindelwald, and he's in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> Super funny. Um Nicole, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Hide Them. Uh, Nada again wrote in, Dude, where's my demiguys? Question mark. <laughs> Which I love. I, I, and, yeah. I can't even seriously predict a title because I just think we really don't know much about this next movie. So Yeah, I feel, I feel like it'll fall in line with the titles of the Harry Potter books where it's, it, you know, the ND is tied to a very specific key person or moment or thing in in that particular movie yeah so uh a couple more here venere wrote in fantastic beasts and the finally fixed briefcase (laughs) and uh carrie wrote in fantastic beasts and what the heck is up with credence (laughs) fantastic beasts and credence's revenge and Grindelwald's revenge, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they can't they can't necessarily abandon Fantastic Beasts title altogether. No. No, no. no if they 
if they do, it certainly I don't think you could justify calling it the Fantastic Beasts series in the way that they already have. So Fantastic Beasts know. and the Runaway Obscurus. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe having Obscurus would be too obscure. People would be like, wait, what was that again? I'm just trying to think of what we know so far about the movie. Could we possibly come close to guessing the title? Well, there was a synopsis. Let me try to pull it up. It did mention Grindelwald. Right. I hope his name isn't in the title. Why not? <laughs> what well, about... You don't really... How many, how many movies have the villain in the title? Here we go. Really? Ready? As he promised he would, Grindelwald has made a dramatic escape and has been gathering more followers to his cause, which, like, is kind of a big spoiler alone, but okay. Elevated... Yeah elevating wizards above all non-magical beings. The only one who might be able to stop him is the wizard he once called his dearest friend, Albus Dumbledore. But Dumbledore will need help from the wizard who had thwarted Grindelwald once before, his former student, Newt Scamander. The adventure reunites Newt with Tina, Queenie, and Jacob, but his mission will also test their loyalties as they face new perils in an increasingly dangerous and divided wizarding world. Woo! I'm excited based off that synopsis alone. That's a pretty good synopsis as yeah, synopses go. Maybe it's Fantastic yeah, it's... Beasts and the Rise of Grindelwald. Oh my god. Yeah. I would I would I would freak. I would scream. <laughs> people people were hassling Joe on Twitter saying, uh, prequel sequel. They could call it the prequel sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, so okay, so JK Rowling said it's coming soon. I have a slight crackpot theory here. So um Justice League, WB's Justice League you know, Batman and Superman and all them comes out in November, basically a ye- exactly a year before Fantastic Beast 2. I'm wondering if some sort of teaser trailer will be attached to Justice League since they're both WB movies. And maybe that's where the title will be revealed or they'll reveal it. They'll reveal the title just at the same time they say, hey, um, trailer's coming out and this is the name of the movie. So I'm going to say that within the next month, we're going to have the title of the movie and maybe even a teaser trailer because we also know they've been filming. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For months now. For months. So there's tons of footage. It's not unheard of to have a trailer a year before a movie, right? I think this is a really solid plan. Mm. A really solid idea. Hypothesis. Not so crackpot after all. We need stuff to talk about. So. Please release the trailer. <laughs> Please, Joe. Give us the title. Oh, we're gonna have fun talking about the title, hopefully. Yeah. And I hope I hope it's great. actually not anything that's been proposed so far. I, I hope it's something very obscure that we have to really theorize about. Like the obscurial? Right. Yeah, or like when the book titles used to come out. And... Exactly. That's yeah. what I was yeah. just gonna say. Who is the half blood prince? Uh, yeah. What are the deathly yeah. half? Right. Right. Oh man. Oh, and the cover, be, uh, yeah. Sorry, I'm making all these weird noises. Fantastic Beasts and just... the Circus Arcanus. Oh yeah, maybe it'll involve the circus. Fantastic Beasts at the Circus Arcanus, something like that. Fantastic Beasts and Flamel's Rise. <laughs> all right, so um, before we get into Halloween, I just wanted to quickly plug something we did on Patreon recently. Uh, one of our bonus MuggleCast installments was uh, on. Um, the prank, the classic prank. Eric really led the charge here, so I'll let him him talk about it. But 
uh, we we had actually planned this for our main show originally tied to the uh, Prisoner of Azkaban Illustrated Edition, and then some other news broke. I forget exactly what it was. Do you remember, Eric? No, but no, I don't. That news then so, uh, then ended up taking the uh, the main bulk of our discussion, and we moved this to a bonus muggle cast. Uh, and yeah. uh, Eric did the did the uh, heavy lifting, so I'll let him talk about it. Well, it's a, it's just a character analysis of Sirius Black based on the prank that he played on Snape when they were all children involving Lupin and. Um, yeah, we just had a really, really good discussion. Basically, I, I had uh, highlighted some passages from the book to help build the case, build the argument, see how we all feel about him, and we talked about it. It was it was really, really, really old school, actually, um, to be discussing with, you know, heavy quotation from the book series, um, kind of to, to get in deep to, to Harry Potter. So, yeah. And we and we got a lot of good feedback. So the reason I wanted to mention it now is that if you've been on the fence about Patreon, uh, we've been doing some really good stuff over there. So check it out over at Patreon.com/MuggleCast. That particular bonus MuggleCast is available at the Dumbledore's Army level, as are all bonus MuggleCasts, by the way. And I quickly looked it up. We got the casting news for Fantastic Beasts, so that's what ended up. Mm. Oh yeah, the huge, huge casting news. Well. Happy accident, but yeah, the so the prank is it, it it is a really really good. It's certainly the bonus muggle cast I'm proudest of uh, that we've done in recent months. Yeah, so it 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 brought me back too to our days of theorizing and discussing, and it was uh, it was nice to do, and I think we're definitely going to do more of those. Yeah, I was yeah. just going to say, I, personally, I've been rereading, um, and they've been inspiring me to like come up with more discussions about particular elements because i'm reading and i'm thinking and i'm like well we should maybe just talk about this on MuggleCast. where are you at currently oh just in book three. Oh, okay yeah um i bought the harry potter complete series on kindle because i wanted the portability but it's like i kind of hate it because it's one giant book it's not seven separate books oh yeah and and you can't even like it doesn't do that Kindle thing where it tells you how many uh, how much time you have left before you complete the chapter, and I don't know it's just harder to search and I don't like it. it so it doesn't do what normal Kindle things right. do. It's and I, I understand why it doesn't. So I but that actually doesn't make any sense. I do not recommend that. If anybody wants to get the digital versions, just buy the individuals. I can't like I can't return it. I don't think, but I kind of just want to buy the individual ones anyway. Because I, I hate this version. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. Well, how much was it, the whole thing? It's like 55? Our Halloween discussion is coming up here on MuggleCast. But first, it's time to tell you about Blue Apron. They are celebrating their fifth anniversary by bringing back the top 20 recipes from throughout the past five years as picked by you, the Blue Apron community. Your favorite Blue Apron recipes are back on the menu for a limited time only. I love using Blue Apron. What you do is you get to pick the meals that they send to you on a weekly basis. These are really good meals using fresh ingredients, and you cook them yourself. They give you a very easy guide. Someone like me who has never really cooked before can do it, so I'm sure you can do it too. 
They're also great for people who are experienced with cooking because you get to try new meals that you may have never cooked before. And you don't have to worry about assembling the right ingredients. They send you everything you need and the exact portions so you're not wasting any food either, which is important for the world. It feels so good to cook and then taste a meal that you created on your own. It's really rewarding, and I love just getting away from technology for a little bit, listening to some music, listening to a podcast, and cooking, getting my hands doing something other than typing and tapping. You're going to love using Blue Apron. Check out this week's menu and get $30 off your first meal with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash mugglecast. You're going to love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash mugglecast. Blue Apron is a better way to cook. And happy fifth anniversary to Blue Apron. All right. Well, um, let's move into our main discussion. Halloween at Hogwarts. Nice. You have to talk like that the whole time. (laughs) Okay, I will. Take it away. Take it away, Micah. Micah. to do it. Yes, we discussed this before the show. <laughs> so I think it would be appropriate for us to talk about Halloween in the Harry Potter series, given that it's just a few days away. And worth noting that we have done this before. I, I'll, I'll mention the, the previous episodes we've had these discussions. So if you don't like what we're saying now, you can go back and listen to what we said a bunch of years ago. But I think hopefully at least these discussions will be a little bit more informed just given all the information that we have. Um, So we're going to talk first about key events that have happened on Halloween in the Harry Potter series. And we did that back on episode 161, if you want to give that a listen. And then we'll talk a little bit about the ghosts that make an appearance in the series. And we did that all the way back on episode 61. So there's a good chance that there's a lot more information available about uh, some of these ghosts and the role that they play, especially uh, I'm thinking of the Grey Lady and the Bloody Baron, uh, given that that episode was pre-Deathly Hallows. Um, Unbelievable. So we'll, uh, we'll start with the key events that have happened on Halloween in the series, and I think probably none is more notable than Halloween... 1981 and that is the the night that uh, Voldemort kills Lillian James Potter and Harry I'll put ask or I'll put quotations around defeats uh, Voldemort for the first time <laughs> so it's it, it's a central date it's a central holiday to to the series not just for this moment but for those that follow I wonder how J.K. Rowling decided for that to occur on Halloween. Does she have a thing for Halloween? Does it? Yeah, it it might be. I mean, considering what happened to Voldemort and his soul, that it joined sort of an ethereal plane, it seems like it makes the most sense to do that um, on the Day of the Dead, like on the day that spirits are said to be closer to this world. That said, it never becomes like, a plot point of the books that Voldemort was aided, he was able to still survive, or, you know, it actually had nothing to do with the fact that it was Halloween uh, in the end. That didn't provide any additional magic, either force protection for Harry or anything that we know of. Yeah. So uh, it is just a coincidence, but 
yeah. I don't know. It's kind of a kind well, of spooky, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I guess it does make it spooky, but it's not just a coincidence. I, I wouldn't mm. say. What do you think, Kate? Not. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it just kind of makes it a little extra spooky. It would have been really cool, though, if it was an actual plot point that he chose Halloween for a certain reason. Like Voldemort chose Halloween. Uh-huh. And and it's worth noting that this this event is revisited in Cursed Child, and come to think of it, really, it did feel spooky revisiting it, knowing that it occurs on Halloween. Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah, it Plus was when, uh, terrifying when Voldemort appears in Cursed Child. Yeah, yeah, and even tying it into the title of the the seventh book. I know there was a lot of speculation when we got Deathly Hallows and, and how that, if in any way, ties into the holiday of Halloween or All Hallows' Eve. I'm sure we discussed that in, at some point uh, back in the day. Yeah. 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 Well, there's also uh, in Sorcerer's Stone, the troll breaking into the dungeons. And uh, this is really... I know I said the the previous Halloween was was the most important, but I would say this one is probably up there, uh, is, is because it it's it's formative. It is really when the trio of Harry, Ron, and Hermione come together, and uh, their friendship is formed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There are certain things you can't do without <laughs> becoming friends and liking each other a whole lot, and tackling a fully grown mountain troll is one of them. This is true. Um. I'm paraphrasing, but yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite scenes in the movies probably when Kroll Kroll runs in and announces that there's a troll. Um but this is another reason Hogwarts needs to be audited. Why is stuff like this <laughs> happening? I'm glad it happened. <laughs> yep. Glad it happened because the trio <clears throat> formed a friendship, but shouldn't have happened. They could have become yeah. friends over a good dinner a conversation or, or something too. instead. Over butterbeer. Well, the convention of, of things happening on Halloween is also special, I think, because at this point in the book, people have settled into the school year, right? Like Harry's classes have become more regular or, or common. You, you start seeing J.K. Rowling's writing starts to wander over to like what's happening with Quidditch tryouts and practice. And, you know, ultimately, October 30th, like the end of October – They've been in school two months, and it's the right passage of time for something interesting to, like, happen right. again, you know? Yeah. Well, and then especially as you move on in the books, you, you have this expectation that something is going to happen on Halloween that's important. So I think <laughs> it goes back to Andrew's point of really what was J.K. Rowling thinking early on when she was writing that this holiday was always going to be in some way integral to the plot. And I don't think, I mean, Harry himself never, so far as I can recall, uh, reminisces or ruminates on the fact that his parents died on that night. Mm-hmm. Like, the anniversary, nobody really celebrates the anniversary of the fall of Voldemort in in front of Harry. You know, it's not like, uh, what was it in Cursed Child? Voldy Day? Or Voldemort Day? Yeah, Voldemort Day. Uh, or something, <laughs> Cursed Child's. That gem of a play, Cursed Child. <laughs> um, you know, nobody nobody calls Halloween Voldemort Day. Maybe because it's already ha- Halloween, or maybe they're just being polite. But you know, the the way the first book 
first chapter of the first book ends with people raising a glass. And actually, McGonagall has that line that says, I wouldn't be surprised if today was known as Harry Potter Day in the future. Mm. Um, although I think she's talking about November 1st. Uh, we don't actually know um, if that actually happens or doesn't happen or who celebrates that anniversary. Um, but Harry, when he's got all this other stuff going on on Halloween, never really thinks about it. Yeah. Um, and I think it's not until he visits his parents' grave uh, in Deathly Hallows that it's even mentioned again that it was Halloween. It's sort of like it's just one of those things that J.K. Rowling likes to revisit with every book, like the number 12, the number 7, mm-hmm. Halloween. These are certain things yeah. she likes to work in. In maybe small ways, like the the twelve thing, that was always something that was like subtle. Um, yeah, I think it's chapter twelve of every book where the villain is revealed what? Uh, secretly. Really? Yeah, that's it's it. No, it's a real thing. It's um, for the first few books actually, um, not chapter twelve, but it's there. It's it might be seven chapter seven um, because in uh, book one it's uh, the break in at Gringotts. Um, and Harry meets Quirrell in the, uh, uh, three, uh, not three broomsticks. Damn. Leaky. Thank you. Leaky Cauldron. Yeah. It's like chapter seven of every book. Um, Mad-Eye Moody's entrance, I think is there in Goblet of Fire. Anyway, it's a real thing. All right. Um, yeah, I was just looking at an old MuggleNet page for like, got the list of references to number 12 the references to number seven obviously there's a lot more references to number seven we should yeah we should credit most of that comes from the work of wizarding world press and their book the ultimate unofficial guide to the mysteries of harry potter which is on amazon oh but um yeah most of the work is was done by them at first like pointing that stuff out it's it's really really clever intense literary analysis so just moving on to Chamber of Secrets. Halloween marks the death day party for nearly headless Nick. So, whenever he passed, he died on Halloween. So that's, uh, mm-hmm. or he was beheaded on Halloween. You know, I often forget that. That's really unlucky. But more importantly, the Chamber of Secrets is opened for the first time in 50 years, and Mrs. Norris gets petrified. So, we have another key moment relating back to the title that occurs on Halloween. Mm, yeah. This is, uh, Halloween is not a good day for Filch. <laughs> no. Not at all. <laughs> and you know he hates no. Halloween or any celebration to begin with. So oh, yeah. Yeah. to have to Absolutely. celebrate a terrible holiday, in his opinion, and lose his cat, basically, awful. Yeah, and and Eric, I know you've always enjoyed the uh, Death Day party. It was cut from the films. Is there a deleted scene? Am I making that up in my mind? No, I don't think they ever filmed it. I don't think so. I think it was cut early enough that they didn't film it. But wasn't there a book scene that was cut? Um, or what am I thinking of? From the first one, they they cut the Midnight Duel. That's not a thing. Maybe I'm just confusing it with like, the ghost stuff because we know there was like a lot of ghost stuff i think that jk Rowling wanted to do yeah it was also an introduction to other types of people who are in the series we get our first introduction to a vampire at the death day party Mm. Mm -hmm. oh interesting yeah 
Yeah. But uh, it, w- it was clearly a, a, a good moment for nearly headless Nick because he was very happy that uh, Harry and crew decided to uh, show up and pay homage to him. Yeah. That was really nice. And, and like nearly headless Nick, like I, I know we're going to mention the what house would you want to be in based on its ghost. But honestly, nearly headless Nick is real solid for a ghost. He's he's real solid. Yep. Um, uh, and then. Prisoner of Azkaban, uh, Sirius Black, breaks in to Hogwarts, and he attacks the portrait of the fat lady on oh, Halloween. Man. What did the What did the fat lady ever do to him? And now I'm wondering, like, legit, what did the fat know, lady maybe, yeah, maybe he really just hates her. A beef back in the day, you know, when he was at school. So, I mean, that one's not as exciting. I mean, it it, it obviously doesn't carry the same weight as the the previous two, but. Uh, the next one, uh, the Goblet of Fire, um, selecting the Triwizard Champions on Halloween has huge implications uh, for really the rest of the series. Yeah, I mean, it, it essentially condemns Cedric to death uh, and Harry to a year of trouble. And the return and of Voldemort. excitement. And yeah, the return of Voldemort. Well, that's not the good... We can't put that on the Goblet. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, it it in choosing the champions, it essentially all it's the it's destiny, um, and the fact that there aren't supposed to be four champions, but there are. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, going going yeah going back to Prisoner of Azkaban though, I I just remember reading it. Andrew, are you there yet in in your Prisoner of Azkaban reread? Um. Yes, I think I just passed this. Actually, you're talking about the break into actually, Hogwarts. Or, yeah. yeah, the break into Hogwarts because it's actually I remember being very scary. Yeah, it is because 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 all the students I think have to be they go to the Great Hall, and then the teachers spread out looking for Sirius. Um, and it's a big surprise because because we were led to believe that the Dementors were keeping the school safe, and yet somehow Sirius got in. Yeah, that's good. And we're, we're you know when we're still thinking that he's a bad guy, right. we don't want him anywhere near Harry. Right. And then like attacking the fat lady portrait, you just kind of have this vision of like this vicious attack where he's slashing it. Yeah. Is that also where Ron wakes up and sees Sirius over him, or is that later? I think that's, I think later. that's later. Yeah. Okay. So he gets in twice. Yeah. I, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. And um, wasn't it Neville? No, it's not Neville's fault. That's also the later, where he leaves he leaves the <laughs> yeah. list of passwords or whatever. Oh yeah, but actually, we know that Crookshank stole it from him, so it's not really Neville's fault. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really but, um, it as far as the key events in the in the series, because in the subsequent books, Order of the Phoenix, Half Blood Prince, and Deathly Hallows, we don't get a direct call out or reference to Halloween. This seems to be the last time that a major event happens. On Halloween, yeah, which is interesting. I, I wonder why after is... Goblet of Fire, the decision was made not to call attention to it. Yeah, it is interesting because it kind of became a tradition, it, going back to even before the the books themselves started, because of Voldemort killing Harry's parents in the very beginning. Um, so to not even included in any of the final three like deathly hallows i could see because it was so different it wasn't a typical year um but like order of the phoenix and half-blood prince like those were standard years at hogwarts in terms of telling a story and i think just just overall 
Um, it can be said that October 31st is a very unlucky day at Hogwarts and you should probably just stay inside, stay in your dorm that day. Don't go out. <laughs> yeah. Well, isn't there a Halloween feast every year too? Are those mentioned yeah. in Order of the Phoenix and Half-Blood Prince? <clears throat> I wonder. Mm, I don't know. I wouldn't go to that though. <laughs> Unlucky. Halloween. <laughs> you're watching your glutens. Yeah, the the feast definitely yeah. is something. I mean, I would go. It looks. Yeah, it looks it cool. Oh, absolutely. No, you, you don't like it, Andrew. No, no, no. I didn't say that. No. I mean, it's I cool, but I've just decided that this like day's that. unlucky, so I wouldn't go out. Playing on my Nintendo Switch in my dorm. Okay. All yeah. Right. That, that's fair. So Good luck getting that electronic to work at Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, I'll leave the Wizarding World even better. Get out of uh, that yeah. unlucky place. Self-imposed exile. Mm-hmm. New Mario game, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Peace. <laughs> All right. So, All right. unless anybody has anything else on... Halloween itself figured we could talk a little bit about the ghosts that are featured in the Harry Potter series. Yeah. And actually uh, Pottermore just yeah. did this reanimation, which is pretty cool uh, for all of the, the ghosts. So if you scroll through uh, nearly headless Nick and the great lady and the fat friar and the bloody Baron. And I think there's a, a couple of others here as well. Uh, they just kind of brought portraits of them to life. Uh, Peeves is there, even though I don't think he classifies as a ghost. Uh, but pretty cool. I'm sure they're probably going to do some stuff for Halloween as well. Yeah, maybe. Um, the ghosts were always a fun element of the books. We didn't get enough of them, though. They were also animated in their own ways. I mean, we got plenty of the Grey Lady by the seventh book, but like the Bloody Baron, Nearly Headless Nick... And I, I know one of the, um, I, I I think one thing people always kind of had an issue with in regards to the movies is that we didn't get enough of them there. Like in the first one, maybe two we did. But then after that, they really fell by the wayside. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the decision to to nix Peeves and Peeves being yeah. a poltergeist yeah. slightly separate from that ghosts, but still like the bloody Baron keeping peeves in line is not at all in the movies because there's no peeves. Who's your favorite ghost, Kate? Um, I really like the fat fryer as a Hufflepuff, but I also, I love the gray lady's story yeah. that we learned in deathly hollows. Yeah. And my God, were those scenes good in the movie? Yeah, they were. I thought, yeah. And speaking of peeves, he was actually cast for Sorcerer's Stone, but they never included him. Well, mm-hmm. and they, they talk, there is actually footage of that. There's not footage of the Death Day Party, but somewhere there is footage of uh, Chris Rankin. He tells this story. Uh, it, it, as Percy, where they, the students, as they're walking up to the dormitory right before you meet the fat lady, they encounter Peeves. Um, mm. And it's something... He said it's one of the most fun days on set. Uh, was was when that actor who whose name escapes me, um, Rick Mayall, um, Mayall, something yeah, like May- that, yeah. something very very famous British comedian. Um, they got to play the role, uh, did a real good job, but it wasn't it wasn't jibing um, for the tone of the film. I think mm-hmm. is is what they said in the end. Yeah. So in in addition to these reanimated. Uh, 
pictures that Pottermore has up, there's plenty of information on all the Hogwarts ghosts and then a few of the others who appear in the series. And I thought we could first start with nearly headless Nick. And uh, it says that he is a 15th century nobleman who went to Hogwarts. Uh, he was a wizard at the royal court of Henry VII. He fell in love with Lady Grieve, and after trying to magically fix her crooked teeth, the spell backfired. She ended up growing tusks as opposed to teeth. And oh, no. as a result, Nick was sentenced to death. And clearly, the procedure did not go all that well, since he is nearly headless. <laughs> I feel really bad for him. Like, this is why it's important to study your charms, yeah. folks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Study up Flitwick's class. But I feel like he's a fan favorite, especially in the movies. Yeah, he was, he was fun playing around with his head basically yeah. falling Ooh. off. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, John Cleese is, is a treasure. Um, but the character of Nearly Headless Nick also just really likes Harry. He is the ghost with the most personality, um, besides Moaning Myrtle, who we have in the Harry Potter books. He is seen asking Harry for advice on, you know, the Death Day party. He reaches out an invitation directly, and it, it really comes from a place of um, what's it? Low self-esteem that that Nick reaches out to, you know, and lo, lo, low self-confidence that he reaches out to Harry to begin with, because he's not feeling. He he feels like if Harry comes, then it will somehow validate Nick to some of the other bullies, ghosts who were who were there at the Death Day party. Yep, mm-hmm. um, Sir Podmore. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting that he's a wizard at royal court too. Like, I wonder if they knew he was a wizard, or if hmm. probably not because of the secrecy secrecy yeah. yeah i certainly hope that woman didn't live the rest of her life with tusks. yeah that's kind of horrible <laughs> yeah well, I mean, somebody somewhere would have had to have, i'm sure they would have like put out a call across the land and somebody would be able to fix it i'm sure yeah uh, but yeah. yeah that's why everybody's so cool with hogwarts and all that weird stuff that they're up to because you can fix most things yeah eric why don't you uh take your house ghost my house ghost the fat friar Okay. Uh, he is a jolly fellow who resembles a monk. Um, and his backstory is that his magical ways rouse suspicion. He was executed after senior churchmen grew suspicious of his ability to cure the pox and his penchant for pulling rabbits out of the communion <laughs> cup. <laughs> um, so I have a feeling that this guy who was a monk or was a friar at the very least. Um, I, I don't. I don't know if it's sacrilege if he was. Uh, unless there's an article on Pottermore, I'm not seeing this uh, brief summary. Um, seems to suggest that he was at first using his powers for good, um, but the more pious among them sort of thought that he was. I don't know. They couldn't cure the boils or the pox, so why should he? So it's a yeah. jealousy sort of thing. thing you think? And, yeah, a um, jealousy thing probably didn't didn't work too well um, in the church. And then uh, also to entertain himself, seemed like he had to like to have a good you know fun time, and he liked rabbits, so he pulled them yep. out of the cup. 
And yeah, I thought it was comical it. that they mentioned that he always resented the fact that he did not become a cardinal. See, that's that's it just there is like you have somebody who's a good guy, who's truly loves a good time, he is pious, he's devout, it seems, and he's held back from reaching a higher station within the church because the church is a you know regimented, very, you know, straight, very you know, non, no, no funny business, right? Sort of thing. So you, th- that you have this guy who really wanted to succeed in serving the Lord um, was is prevented from doing so by uh, rigid and uh, unforgiving um, peers and system. Yeah. So the system he, got like him Like I said down. earlier, he is very much liked by uh, those of us who follow Muggle uh, Cast on Twitter. Uh, because he was the the top pick by far, uh, people would join Hufflepuff just based on him alone. Is it because he's a jolly fellow? People want to hang out with a jolly fellow. Yeah, he just sounds like a good yeah. guy. Yeah, I mean, nearly how this Nick is sort of seen moping very often, but the Fat Friar seems like he'd always be a a, a good a good fun dude to to drink with, right? Well, like, these are kids. We Let's don't remember. see a lot of him. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, they're, they're children. Well, they're not I don't know. Of drinking age. He's butterbeer. Butterbeer at fourteen is alcoholic. Oh. The, so. the fat friar is the Hedwig, or sorry, the Hagrid of the ghosts. I think. Yeah, jolly man, you want to hang out with. Gets too drunk sometimes. Especially southern Hagrid. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, the next two house ghosts, I think we can take together because their stories are intertwined. Uh, the gray lady. So back on episode 61, I don't think there was any chance that we would have guessed at um, the significance of the Grey Lady. And not only that, there was a question in the show notes about the Bloody Baron asking the question, why is the Baron so bloody? And uh, we, of course, come to know the answer to that question. So the Grey Lady, uh, Helena Ravenclaw, the daughter of Hogwarts founder Rowena Ravenclaw, uh, she does help Harry locate the lost diadem of her mother in Deathly Hallows, uh, but she initially stole it. Uh, and from her mother, she ran away to an Albanian forest that comes into play later on, uh, only to be tracked down by the Bloody Baron, who um, was not bloody yet. Uh, he, and uh, she refused to return home with him. So, you know, her mother sent the Baron in search of Helena, and uh, she refused to go back. And as a result, the Baron, mad with love, uh, stabbed her to death. (laughs) And um, (sighs) after he fatally stabs her, he was so remorseful uh, that he ended up using the exact same weapon to take his own life. Uh, So this is a very tragic story. It's very sad. You know, it's called a tragic story. Pottermore on October 27th uh, tweeted this, and Katie uh, highly pointed this out. At its heart, the Bloody Baron's story is a tragic tale of love and loss. That's what the uh, the, the tweet from Pottermore says. I actually disagree. Um, and we pointed out in an internal MuggleNet group that actually it's a tale of toxic masculinity uh, taken to its extreme... There, there's no love in the Bloody Baron story. Maybe he thinks there is, but it's it's all about lust, right? It's all about coveting. It's all about 
wanting to possess another. This woman doesn't, like, want to be with him, so he kills her? Excuse me? That's not, like, tragically love. Like, that's not romantic at all. I agree. <laughs> that's a very fair so, point. So, a bit problematic for Pottermore to be to be romanticizing it. We shouldn't we shouldn't be so quick to romanticize. And we weren't, but I'm saying in general, you know, the gray lady and the bloody baron's story, it's he's it's mm-hmm. it's bloody. He's he's got blood on his hands literally and I think that that is sort of fitting that, you know, Rowling for years in interviews said you know, oh, it's, you know, it's a dark story. You'll you'll find out eventually. Um, but he's essentially, you know, punished. There's there's blood on his visage for all eternity now. Um, the interesting thing is, I really wonder how the gray lady feels, knowing that this man who her who killed her, uh, is now also at Hogwarts. Like, she could have per- perhaps requested that he not. <laughs> be allowed there yeah Yeah. i was wondering Uh, that too like i wouldn't want the (laughs) the guy that killed me to be there either yeah oh hey how you doing oh nothing yeah i'm fine just in the in the break room in the by the by the (laughs) The uh water cooler you know to go see a break from anything (laughs) they're on permanent break well and like related to all this like are ghosts happy being around forever like it just seems like a sad life. Like this is why the Philosopher's Stone is so controversial because it's like, who wants to live forever? To quote Queen. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe by definition, they're not happy because they, if they were, they led a full life and didn't choose to come back. They, they were. They wouldn't have chosen to come back. Mm. Um. It, it seems to be a clear choice that they made. Although for some, like Boning Myrtle or Professor Bins. It seems to be a little less clear cut. Um, well, or no, with Myrtle chose to come back to haunt Olive Hornby, but Bins presumably didn't like make a conscious choice to to not cross over that we know of. Yeah, and you would think that Bins, like, even though his classes are really boring, according to the students, um, at least he's doing something with his quote unquote life. Like these other ghosts, yeah. what are they doing? Right. <laughs> It's sort of it's sort of morbid. They just have to kind of. It's not like they're reliving what happened, but I mean, ghosts are echoes of their past selves or whatever, and it just seems like they're they wander. Like the fat friar, I'm sure is getting up to to some good fun <laughs> revelry with the Hufflepuffs. I do want the uh, is is the fat friar in puffs the play, Micah? That's a good question. I don't remember off the top of my head. There is a chance he is. Hmm. It seems like an oversight hmm. if he's not, but. Um, Somebody listening I, I definitely knows the answer to that question. I feel like he was. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, and and really the only thing left to mention uh, about the, the four main house ghosts is that the Bloody Baron has chains on him, uh, you know, to sh- basically an act of penitence uh, for what he did to um, Helena Ravenclaw. Uh, so... Uh, and I think we do see the Bloody Baron. Do we see pretty much all four house ghosts in the first movie? Am I making that up? Yeah. Very quickly. Yeah. yeah. They recast the oh, Grey yeah. Lady. Definitely. But, like, obviously. But, yeah, yeah, I think I think they're all there because they fly in. I mean, yeah, Nick is the only one we get um, right. dialogue from. But the other ones are all there. And, actually, there's a number of other ghosts that aren't house ghosts that are – 
you know, around Hogwarts. And I think maybe some of them are mentioned on Pottermore, but, uh, but those are, those are the main ones. Well, if you want more on, on these two, though, just go and read Deathly Hallows. So. <laughs> Lots more um, to be found. Yeah, there's... Well, actually, both of these ghosts were mentioned already. Professor Binns and Moaning Myrtle. Um, not you've tied specifically to any one house, um, but definitely integral in their own ways to the plots of... Well, both of them for Chamber of Secrets, I would say. Um, you know, we we joke that Professor Binns doesn't play much of a role at all, uh, you know, because he teaches this boring subject of a history of magic. But in fact, he well, he is the one who maybe boring to you. Well, okay. <laughs> I always thought it would be a cool one of those classes where it could be really cool, but the professor just makes it boring. There you <laughs> yeah. go. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good point. I mean, that's so true about most courses in the real world, too. It's like they could be boring or they could be really interesting, depending yeah. on the teacher. Yeah, that's that's definitely fair. But McGonagall totally steals his thunder yes. in the movie. Yes, she is the one who yeah. kind of tells the, the legend of the Chamber of Secrets. But it, it gives Binns uh, some level of importance, you know, outside of just assigning uh, essays on, on goblin revolutions. uh this this was his moment. This it's and it ties into uh, Moaning Myrtle, obviously. Yeah, and he could have crossed over that next day, you know, to be like, "Well, I've done my job. I've I've succeeded at uh, exciting students. I'm, right. I'm done." Isn't it said in the books that in the in that scene that he became interested in telling them the story because they all actually perked up? Yes. Do I have that right? Well, I think I think what happens is Harry notices that everybody perks up, so it would be unusual for Bins to say no. But I think I think he's just flabbergasted that that so many people are pressuring him direct. I'm sure most people, because he is the sort of like the lecture style of teaching. Yeah, I'm sure he isn't used to even seeing one hand raised, let alone right everybody. Well, that should have been a learning lesson for him. Oh, yeah. If he cared, like, okay, maybe my lesson should start being a little more relevant to, like, what's going on in the wizarding world right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I guess that's the joke, <laughs> like, is that these goblin re- rebellions of 400 years ago are supposed to be super relevant to today. Mm-hmm. Like, if if you'd actually paid attention in Binz's class, uh, the idea is, right, that you could you could actually gleam some insight into... I don't know what modern day human goblin relations are all about. Yeah. But it's just such it's such dense like, like yeah. everything in history, like it's so it's so hard to get through. Mm-hmm. Um but you guys are totally right. Like if Binns were a better teacher, he could probably make it interesting. Yeah, but I've always thought that there are things underlying to your point, Eric, what he's teaching and they may not be all directly applicable to Harry's story, but I think it would have been good on the part of joe not just with him talking about the chamber of secrets but are there things that he's teaching his class early on in sorcerer stone chamber of secrets prisoner Azkaban, that do end up playing a significant role and they think back to the fact that oh professor bins mentioned this you know during one of our lessons it's just that to me that seems like the type of class that this would be it doesn't end up really being that way but I, uh, so I'm saying Professor Binns was underutilized. I actually would agree with you. Um, Binns for president. Yeah. 
in in <laughs> Bids twenty twenty. Who else we got? Uh Moaning Myrtle, which I'm sure we've talked about a lot uh on this podcast over the years, but she is definitely a, a presence within within Hogwarts. One to be reckoned with. And in Cursed Child. Yeah. She's some of the comic relief. Very, very animated. Did you like her role in Cursed Child, Kate? I did. And the actress yeah. that played her when I saw it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> she was great. I say that because she was very, like, animated and she kind of flew out of the fountain, which was cool. Yeah. And her voice just, it really sounded like, uh, I don't remember the actress that played her in the movie, but it, it really sounded mm-hmm. like her. Yeah. Remind me what uh, what her role is in Cursed Child. Well, they realize they need to go see a ghost, right? For yeah, they want to. Is that has something to do with the lake? They want to get into the lake. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so they have yeah. to <laughs> go talk to Moaning Myrtle. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, it's certainly the central mystery of the Chamber of Secrets. Like as you were saying, Micah, like. You know, and it's the location of the chambers. It's how they eventually find out. Figuring out that Moaning Myrtle was the the student who was murdered 50 years ago unlocks the second half of the book for Harry and Ron. Um, and it's it's actually a really cool revelation. Like, it's right up there with figuring out that Sirius Black isn't bad. Um, finding out that Moaning Myrtle isn't just a, a wet blanket of a character. Um, that her <laughs> tears mean something that, you know, she... Even though, even in spite of herself, she is relevant to the plot mm-hmm. in in a very direct way. Um, so it's classic Joe switcheroo, like hidden in plain sight sort of thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I figured we can wrap it up with Peeves, who is uh, actually a poltergeist, not a ghost. But uh, he definitely does his fair share or causes his fair share of trouble uh, throughout the series. Uh, he is well-named. Um, he has been a pet peeve of every Hogwarts caretaker from Hankerton Humble, who was actually appointed by the four founders of the school. Um, there have been several concerted efforts to remove peeves from the castle. Uh, all of them have resulted in failure. Um, the last and most disastrous was made in 1876, so it's been over 100 years since they tried to remove him uh, when the Potter series takes place uh, by caretaker Rancorous Carp, uh, who devised an elaborate trap baited with an assortment of weapons he believed would be irresistible to Peeves and a vast enchanted bell jar reinforced by various containment charms, which he intended to drop over the poltergeist once he was in place. Not only did Peeves break easily through the giant bell jar, showering an entire corridor with broken glass. He also escaped the trap, armed with several cutlasses, crossbows, a blunderbuss, and a miniature cannon. Uh, The castle was evacuated while Peeves amused himself by firing randomly out of the windows and threatening all and sundry with death. Um, (laughs) This would have been cool to see, like, take shape at some point in the movies. Uh... I I can see it now. He's just like, oh, you give me weapons? All right, yeah. here we go. Uh, yeah. There was a three-day standoff, and it was ended when the headmistress, Eupraxia Mole, agreed to sign a contract allowing Peeves additional privileges, such as 
a once-weekly swim in the boys' toilets on the ground floor, first refusal on stale bread from the kitchen for throwing purposes, and a new hat. Um, so Carp took early retirement for health reasons, and no subsequent attempt has ever been made to rid the castle of its most ill-disciplined inhabitant. They made him a hat <laughs> from Madame Mo- Bonaby? Bon, 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 yeah, bon Abbey in Paris. I don't know how you make a ghost hat. That's interesting. Unless yeah. you yourself are a ghost yeah. tailor. Um, very interesting. Like you're saying, how there. does it like transfer into the ghost world? Yeah, yeah. It's a good question. Mm. Maybe so there's some sort of charm you can put on it to be compatible with ghosts. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we've discussed too. Uh, why wouldn't Dumbledore try and remove Peeves from Hogwarts? And I feel like doesn't he say that he doesn't know if he could, even if he tried? And maybe Dumbledore has yeah. a soft spot for Peeves. We know Dumbledore likes the lighter moments, uh, likes to lighten, yeah. Yeah. lighten, lighten the scene. And while Peeves is a bit of a jerk, he does lighten up the school, and and it gives the school character. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to go so far as to say maybe Dumbledore is powerful enough wizard that he could remove peeps probably yeah like of course i mean he, yeah of course. if he wanted to he can but he does not want to he can fight grindelwald and voldemort but not peeps <laughs> no you know what'd be real cool is if the movies if they have that same actor come back and be peeps mm. now at hogwarts yeah why not in the new series yeah i would that would be awesome yeah i was um actually thinking about that earlier like this would be revisiting Hogwarts is a good chance to like see a ghost or two. Maybe just in the it'll probably just be in the background, but that would be awesome. Well, I think we suggest. I was thinking about maybe seeing some. One of our listeners wrote in and said, "Will we see Professor Bins alive and well?" Mm-hmm. I um, think I tweeted that. These, nobody knows. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you did. You blew my mind. Yeah, it's possible. Uh, and then just to wrap up on Peeves. Uh, he is afraid of the Bloody Baron, the the one, I won't say person, but I, I mean, I, I think there's respect for Dumbledore and there's definite respect for Fred and George that we see in the series, but the only oh, yeah. entity that he is afraid of is the Bloody Baron. So it's it's almost like the Bloody Baron is used by name anytime Peeves starts to wreak havoc. I think, I think they're... Um... Probably different energies getting into that real quick, like why Peeves actually is so afraid of the Bloody Baron. Like you said, Micah, like Harry is there's that scene, I think they're going up to the to give the dragon right to uh Charlie's friends when um they encounter Peeves in this scene. It's not in the movie. Um, but Harry says uh he imitates the voice of the Bloody Baron basically, and says that uh, you can't be up here tonight, Peeves. <laughs> you know? That was um, a good bloody sorry, Baron. Sorry, <laughs> doing the voice made me cough. And he says, uh, and he says um, when Peeves is like, but why are you invisible? And he's like, the bloody Baron has his own reasons for being invisible. You know, real cool stuff. So, um, smart thinking on Harry, but because Peeves represents a sort of playful, childish nature, um, childish whim, Poltergeists are often the spirits of dead children, um, actually, uh, or seem to be that, that that childish energy. And the Baron is this 
grown man who murdered the one he was lusting after um, and is forced to wear chains for eternity and, and be spattered with blood for eternity. Very different energies, yep. you know, very different. Definitely a buzzkill. Um, so I think that's what the Bloody Baron is to Peeves. Big buzzkill. All right. Well, uh, that wraps up our, our conversations on the ghosts of Hogwarts. But uh, we did ask on Twitter. I want to end with this question. Do we believe in ghosts? I don't. I don't either. You guys don't? No. no. What? I'll say yes. All right. I got a podcast recommendation for you two then. You got to listen to <laughs> Potter Erotica. And edition. that's why we drink. <laughs> no, it's it's no, it's called And That's Why We Drink. And it's about it's a it's half ghost, uh half paranormal, half true crime podcast. Two ladies, they're fantastic, M. Schultz and Christine Schaefer. It's only in its fortieth episode, it's a brand new show. Y'all gotta check it out. It's it will not disappoint. They tell ghost stories, like real like stories of haunted places, and it might just change your mind. Uh, on ghosts, but then also it's it's true crime in the. So back you half, believe so in ghosts? Okay. That's what you're saying. Yeah, I, do I believe in ghosts. Yeah. So we're we're a split what? podcast. All right. Well, you two have fun living in <laughs> yeah, fear okay. of ghosts. <laughs> we'll send some your way. But definitely no. There's there there is life after absolutely in some. Look form, behind you right now. Some. It's not Brooklyn. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, <laughs> actually, he isn't here. Where'd he go? Brooklyn. <laughs> Oh, he's in, he's in bed. He left the couch. He's oh, on the ceiling. Scary. He's on the ceiling. He's walking <laughs> he's on, on the ceiling. ceiling. I'm saying. Uh, all right. But we did ask on Twitter uh, the question, if you had to pick your Hogwarts house based on the house ghost alone. So nearly headless Nick, the fat friar, the bloody baron, or the gray lady, which house would you choose? So let's go around first, and then we can see what other people had to say. I'm going to be contrary and say just because an unexpected and I'm going to say the gray lady. I'm going to say Ravenclaw because yeah. um, I think she actually helps the students with their logic problems sometimes mm. with their intellectual pursuits. I get the feeling that she that she's approachable. I will have to go with the fat friar, which I wouldn't have said before today's discussion, but just reflecting on him <laughs> being a jolly man. He'd be fun to drink with, but um, I'm actually also with Eric on the Gray Lady. Like I, that those scenes in Deathly Hallows still stick with me, um, and I have mad respect for her in light of helping Harry. So yeah, t- Tom Riddle tricks her. Like he's able to have enough conversation with her that he judges her psychologically and is able to actually trick her into revealing the location of the diadem, like where she put it. Unbelievable. Yeah. Exactly. Cade, what about you? Um, I'd also have to pick the fat fryer, I think. I think he's just the most fun. <laughs> <laughs> not Ben's? Ben's is fun. Yeah, he's, he's not a house. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, making a joke here. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, I would agree. I think fat fryer. Okay, wow. Well, we're going to have to have Fat Fryer on the podcast. He's available. He doesn't have uh, much to do with his time. Not these no. days, anyway. Uh, yeah. But as mentioned, we did ask this question on Twitter and uh, got a ton of responses. Uh, the first from Emily, 
says, uh, still Gryffindor. Sir Nicholas is a head above the rest. <laughs> we need the little sound effect. Drum beat. <laughs> um, Haname says, if I pick the Bloody Baron, does that mean Peas will refrain from annoying me, i.e. throwing ink pellets, dropping stone busts at the Baron's request? Ooh, maybe. I didn't know. Yeah, if your if if your house ghost was the bloody baron, you might be able to recruit him to yeah. stop peeves. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Anders Drew says the gray lady keeps to herself, but is there when you need her. Ravenclaw for the win. Caitlin Bauer, I'm sticking with Hufflepuff and the fat friar, who doesn't love a friendly monk that just wanted to heal sick people with magic. Hashtag mm-hmm. proud puff. Uh, Camilla Taylor. Still Hufflepuff, the fat friar is clearly the best Hogwarts house ghost, with Sir Nicholas at a close second. And tweeted in to say, Torn between Gryffindor and Hufflepuff, Nick is quite entertaining, but the fat friar just seems super chill and kind. Hannah Van Amber, still be Ravenclaw. Gotta love the teenage, quote, my mother doesn't understand me angst, plus she has some (laughs) serious girl power. Yeah. Shania? Uh, I'm a puff, but I love the Grey Lady and her story. Cordo Peekaboo? Hell of a name. Uh, I love being a puff, <laughs> but I think the Bloody Baron is much more interesting and spooky than the Fat Friar, so I'd go with Slytherin. Ooh. Mackenzie says, I would definitely stick with Hufflepuff. The Fat Friar seems like someone I could totally split two pizzas and feel no shame. <laughs> <laughs> I do that too. I I when I'm with someone like at home, you get Domino's, order two Domino's pizzas, and we each have a pizza. Yeah. And do you or feel shame? I for me. just did that last night. Huh. Yeah. Any shame, Andrew? I don't feel shame. Super no. Shame. Do you let Brooklyn have pizza? Well, Domino's has that special, you know, two medium pizzas for like seven ninety. Yeah, it's <laughs> Domino's dot com slash Muggle Pass. <laughs> yeah. uh, Pumpkin Farmer Tom says Ravenclaw and the Gray Lady, awesome name and brilliant backstory. Uh, Jenna Sargent, I'm a Ravenclaw, but would probably have to go with Hufflepuff for the cookies. <laughs> what cookies? What? Ooh. Well, they're near the kitchen. No. <laughs> <laughs> There's more cookies, but all right. Um, Luna Eclair, the Bloody Baron, is the only one who can really deal with peeves, so I'm sticking with Slytherin. Megan says, I'm a puff, but I would pick Gryffindor for Sir Nick. He's got the sass. Dawn Z says, Hufflepuff, Fat Friar seems chill. All the other ghosts have angsty backstories that make them awkward to hang out with. My favorite from Dominica Symbolic. Well, as a proud serpent myself, Slytherin's Bloody Baron does the job. What's the point of a ghost if it isn't scary? Oh, man. <laughs> Shade thrown. What's the point of a ghost if it is well? I mean, in Hogwarts, these these less scary ghosts seem appropriate because they add some character to the school, and they're children after all. So, Micah and Eric, are you afraid of ghosts? If you think they're real, no. I'll let you know when I encounter one, and then <laughs> actually I'll tell you if I was one, scared, which is never happening because they're not real. <laughs> I'm listen to that podcast, and that's why we drink. Okay. Do these podcasts promote us? I mean, you're always promoting them. You've thrown out at least like two or three (laughs) on the show already. (laughs) I got Potter. You know, I actually, I've just. uh, What was the one you just mentioned? And then we drink. 
Well, I'm on Alohomora, and you've been, you've been on. Yeah, no, I I I think that um, my New Year's resolution last year was to listen to more podcasts okay. and be more worldly and this that the other thing, and so I'm I'm just trying to fulfill my obligation. All right, well, it is time now for some quizich. Last week's Yay. question was, what did students have to do for Snape's potions exam and for the third year? The, at the end of the third year. At the end of the third year, sorry. Yeah. Uh, so for those of you playing at home, the students in Prisoner of Azkaban for Snape's potions exam, they had to brew a confusing concoction. Oh. <laughs> so a confusing concoction was the exam uh, potion that everybody had to make. What? So, what is uh, that? Well, I don't know. It's confusing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. What about for this week's question? I think Kate should ask. I or she should choose. Yeah. Sorry. I, I think. Yeah, I think that a, a confusing concoction though probably confuses the drinker. So like, ah. it's ba- it's basically a a potion that disorients somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a poison. It just will make you like confused and why am i here or what am i doing or you know that sort of thing yes kate pick a book between one and three Mm, i pick two um we should wrap up the one through three questions at some point and (laughs) doesn't make sense i know (laughs) i just i need to source them from somewhere else then um what is gilderoy lockhart's favorite color lilac Oh, I th- Mike, yeah. you got it. <laughs> oh, well, we shouldn't have no. revealed it, but... Oh, well. <laughs> we shouldn't have revealed it. Ask another one. <laughs> we're just going to do... Yeah, we're, we're just going to do uh, Quizich uh, the, right. the same Here we go. The same day. I'm going to ask one, and nobody... Okay. Well, you guys won't be able to guess, I bet. How many died in the Battle of Hogwarts on the side of Hogwarts and the Order? So how many oh, died on Team Team Harry? Too many. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> But we will reveal the answer on next Wait, week's episode. Andrew, I one question before we move on. Um, okay. Where does I mean? How do you count lavender uh, for? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're gonna have to have like a standard error, like plus or well, minus. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I've, uh, I'm just gonna have to trust the person who came up with this trivia question. Uh, I think let's assume lavender is one of the fallen. Which is, I hate to admit it. Let's All assume right. that. Thanks, everybody, my heart. for listening to the podcast. We'd like to plug MuggleCast.com. We have everything there concerning this show. You can follow us on Twitter, Twitter.com slash MuggleCast, Facebook.com slash MuggleCast as well. Our Patreon is Patreon.com slash MuggleCast, and your support keeps the show going on a weekly basis, so we greatly appreciate it. We appreciate your support kate thanks for joining us thank you so much for having me it was lots of fun (laughs) i'm good good um hope you don't see any ghosts ever but you won't because we agree they're not real agreed and thank you everybody for listening i'm andrew i'm micah i'm eric and i'm kate see everybody next time goodbye bye goodbye bye